0: But today I want to share with you this message, the power of the word, the power of the word. Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned in keeping them... There is great reward. I want to jump down and just read verse 14. This was a verse of scripture that we repeated at least for the first part of my freshman year in Bible college at the end of every chapel service. So this became so ingrained in my heart and my mind. But I believe it flows with this because when we let the word into us, then the word will come out of us. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Brothers and sisters, I believe that the Word of God is absolutely, without a doubt, essential in your Christian life. If you are to live a life that is pleasing, to the Lord on a daily basis. I'm not talking about just kind of making it all up as you go along. There are too many people who slap the label Christians on themselves. They make it up as they go along. They pull a couple of scriptures out of context and think they're okay. Brothers and sisters, we need this book. We need the Word of God now like never before. If we do not get the Word into us, the Word of God cannot guide us. It can't be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. There is no way that the Word of God will come out of us in our daily lives. Brothers and sisters, the Bible lets us know that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm here to let you know the word of God has to be in us. If we don't get the word into us, we are going to live unproductive, inefficient, and lazy Christian lives. We have to have the word deep down on the inside. That's why David wrote in Psalm 119, he wrote, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Not in my head, but in my heart, that I might not sin against God. Brothers and sisters, if there is anything that you and I need in this day and age, it is a greater understanding of the word of God. Now I realize for many it might be a challenge. You say, you don't understand, I work two jobs. You don't know, you know, I, 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 I get on the train and I, I, I'm on my way to work and I, I just, you know, I, I've got to go from here and I've got to go there and I've got to pick up the kids and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. We have a million excuses as to why we cannot get this book into us. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to let you know you will make time for what you want to make time for. You absolutely will. Well, you know, I come home, I just want to kick up my feet and turn on the television and just kind of relax a little bit and just unwind and there you go. You're making time for what you want to make time for. You see, if there is anything that the devil wants you to get rid of out of your life, it is the word and prayer. Two things. The word of God in prayer. He doesn't care if you call yourself a Christian. He doesn't even care if you own a Bible. So long as you don't blow the dust off of it and crack it open on a regular basis. He doesn't even care if you come to church. He doesn't care if you volunteer for anything at church. He doesn't care if you decide that somewhere along the way you'd like to serve in a ministry. That doesn't bother him. But all of a sudden, you begin to open the Bible. And you begin to read what's on its pages. And you will begin to realize that there is a greater power than anything that you had ever known simply because you are getting the Word of God deep down on the inside. And I'm here to let you know that in the end when you get the Word into you, the devil will be so afraid of you and so afraid of what you can do to his kingdom. I'm here to let you know that what the Word of God declares is that you can do all things through Christ through Him who strengthens you. But if we don't go to the book, we don't know that that's true. There are four great benefits to the Word of God. Reading the Word of God that are actually found in this passage there. I know there are other great benefits to the Word of God that we could talk about. We could go to other verses of Scripture, and in fact, we're going to go to some of those verses of Scripture, and we're going to see what the Word of God has to say about itself what the writers of both the Old Testaments and the New Testaments declared about the Word of God. There are so many places that the Word of God is discussed. In fact, the longest chapter in all the Bible, Psalm 119, is about one topic, the Word of God. It's an amazing thing that that one gigantic chapter seems to elevate The law of the Lord, the word of Almighty God. This is how important it is. It is so vitally important to our lives because the first great benefit is this, is that the word of God brings revival. It will bring revival to your soul. Listen to what the writer says. Psalmist David writes, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So many people go around going according to what it is that they feel. That is your soulish part of you. That is the soul, your emotions, your feelings, and all of those things. And so many people, when it's not dedicated to the Lord, they dedicate it to what they want to get out of life the things that they want to do. You say, is it a bad thing for me to pursue dreams and desires and hopes and and all of these things? It's not a bad thing for you to, to pursue those things, but I'm here to let you know that the one thing that you must pursue first, it is this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you if somehow somewhere along the way God has gotten lower on your list of priorities, that I'm here to encourage you today to lift him up to the place of number one and say, Lord, I'm going to seek you with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, and I am not going to let go until I get a hold of you. I love what the writer writes in Psalm 42, I believe it is in verse 1, is the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you the problem is so oftentimes the soul is giving in to the flesh. The soul is giving in to this desire and that desire as opposed to coming to the Word of God and letting the Holy Spirit regulate that soul that God has given you and regulate those feelings and those emotions and, and directing them in the way that He would want them to be directed. So often we're giving into to the flesh. We're doing our own thing and, you know, we're somehow trying to make it through. Can I let you know you've got to make it, but the only way you're going to make it is through the power of the Word of God, because the Word of God will revive your soul. I don't know about you, but the one thing that we need in this country is revival. So often, and, and you know, sad to say, we're living in a generation that doesn't even know, when we pray, Lord, send revival. We prayed Tuesday night. Pastor Williams prayed such a powerful prayer for us as a nation. I asked him to pray for the United States. Pray for this country. If there is anything that we need, we need a revival. So often we don't even know what we're praying for. Because it's been so long since we have seen a genuine move of the Holy Spirit upon our lives and in our hearts and in our minds that we don't even, we're not even sure what it all looks like. But I'm here to let you know that the word of God is perfect and in its perfection it will revive your soul. If you go to the word of God, the word of God will begin to speak to you and cause the, those, those feelings and those emotions to be directed toward the Lord rather than toward yourself. Rather than toward some temptation to give in to sin. The soul, to the soul there is restoration. There is conversion. You see, one thing that it did for Moses is that it revived him from seeking empty pleasures. The Bible lets us know this. In Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us, you don't need to turn there, that Moses chose to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. When you get into this word, you will begin to realize the temporary nature of the sin that you involve yourself in. The thing that you give yourself to and you say that's where life is somehow leaves you empty. So, what do you do? You go back for more. You say, Well, clearly I've got to have more. Well, that's the danger of it, brothers and sisters. That's how the enemy sort of gets you hooked. He gets you into something and you cannot break free from its grip. The Bible lets us know that Moses made a better choice. You see, it revives us from seeking empty pleasures. And it tells us that in his presence there is fullness of joy. Brothers and sisters, we have got to come to the place where we recognize that without the word of God we will not be revived. We have got to have the Word. We've got to read the Word. We've got to know the Word, memorize the Word, listen to it preached, listen to it taught, and, and get it into our spirits so that our souls will be revived. I remember a number of years ago, there was one verse of Scripture that uh, I be, jumped out at me. And literally for about a week and a half, I read that one verse of Scripture and meditated on that one verse. One verse of Scripture, you say, but don't you get to read the Bible through? and do all? Yeah, that's good to do. But when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you, and, you know, you've got this schedule laid out in front of you, you know, you've got your, your, your daily devotional, I'm reading the Bible through, reading the Bible through, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. He wants to revive your soul. He wants to do something in you. And, you know, we sort of get on there in our, our thinking, oh, I've got to read the Bible through. That's really spiritual. Look, I'm all for reading the Bible through in a year. That would be wonderful. But I got to tell you, when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you out of one verse of Scripture, and He begins to do something in your heart and life, you better sit right there until He is done talking. Don't move. Don't move until He's done. It revives the soul. It keeps us away from sin. My mother, a number of years ago, wrote in the very first Bible kind of the real Bible, you know, that they gave us, or they they gave me when I was a kid. And she wrote in the front of that Bible, very simple saying, Brent, sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. And it is absolutely true. If you will give yourself to the Word of God, it will revive your soul. If you have been pursuing after sin and going hard after the things of your flesh, trying to fulfill something that's empty in your life, something that you know is gnawing at your spirit, I'm here to let you know the Word of God will satisfy you with good things. The Bible says this. We read it. Let me read it in verse 10. They are more precious than gold, than much more, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey then honey from the comb. It will satisfy you through and through. Not only that, when the word brings revival, we are revived from selfishness to seeking God. This goes hand in hand with what I just talked about. But we are revived from selfishness. That is, let me please me. That's what the world is all about. You know, a number of years ago, back in the 60s and the 70s, it was the, 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 the saying, if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. And we see where that has landed us as a society. We have a God-hating society. We have a society that is absolutely intolerant of anything that is Christian. Oh, everybody tolerates religion, but you begin to talk about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you have people who say, don't shove that religion down my throat. And then they'll turn around and be as tolerant as they possibly can be to any other kind of religion. But when you start mentioning the name of Jesus, people all of a sudden begin to squirm a little bit. That is a product of the 60s and the 70s where there was a great grand rebellion against all authority, both government, authority in the home, authority in the church. And brothers and sisters, I know there has been abuse in all of those arenas, but in the end, the Word of God is the one thing that is going to last forever. When we rebel against this for selfishness, we will end up in a pit because of it. But when we exalt it and say, I'm going to agree with what the Bible has to say, I'm going to agree with what God has to say, then I'm here to let you know there will be revival that will sweep through this place. We are revived from selfishness to seeking God. We are revived from death to life. And that's the whole point of revival, is it not? Revival, we are revived from death to life. The idea of revival is something's dead, it's got to come back to life. And that's what God desires for each and every one of us. He desire. listen, if your spirit, your soul is just somehow beginning to get dead to the things of God, you can sit in a meeting and not be moved and not be stirred and not, not somehow be changed, That I'm here to let you know you need to run a, run a self-check. You need to begin to do a systems diagnostics on yourself and say, is everything checking out okay? Am I in the place with God where I ought to be? And if I'm not, let me run back to the book and let me find out what it is that needs to change in my life and how it is that God wants to revive me brothers and sisters we need revival as never before but there is something else that the word of God does for us verse seven also points out something very important and it is this that the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple anytime you see statutes Verse 8, you see precepts, you see commands in verse 8, you begin to realize and ordinances in verse 9, those are very specific things, instructions from the Word of God. The Bible says this, the Word, and it lets us know this: that the Word brings wisdom to the simple. To the simple. Who are the simple? It doesn't mean you're dumb. Don't, don't, you know, we we sort of. You know, as kids you can you can get real nasty. Kids can get nasty, can't they? And they pull out these words that, you know, for them mean something different. Simple does not mean dumb. It doesn't mean stupid. But it can mean inexperienced. You may not have learned many lessons through the teacher of experience in your Christian life, but the word of God teaches those who are simple or inexperienced lessons that are needed even before we have to draw on those lessons. So in other words, it can teach you things before you need it. Isn't that the whole point of school? You know? I wish, I wish I had mentally, mentally agreed with my my parents when I would bring an algebra book home in high school when they said, you're going to need that. You're going to need that. You better apply yourself. And I used to think to myself, I used to think, when am I ever going to need algebra? For those who are in school, by the way, you need it. Don't leave school without it. And all the other stuff that you don't think you need, you need. Trust me. It's how you get by in life. It's how you get through in life. And I, when it comes to math, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And the, but there are lessons that I was taught early on, and I thought to myself, I'm not using it now. I'm not going to need this. That's, oftentimes, some of the greatest lessons that we can possibly learn from Scripture is, is we go to the Word of God, we look at what the Word is saying, we say, but I'm not going through anything like that now. We don't file it, we ignore it. I'm here to let you know, don't ignore it because you might not have had that experience yet. You need to get it into your heart and your spirit so that when you encounter an experience like that in life, you have the lesson deep down on the inside. You see, the Word is going to put wisdom into you, and wisdom essentially is basically knowledge rightly applied. In other words, you learn something. And then you encounter a situation in life where you got to put it into action. That's wisdom. And that's what the Word of God will do for us. It will give us the wisdom that we need if we are inexperienced. If there is something on the inside of us that might say, I don't need that right now, let me just put that somewhere else. Don't put it anywhere else, put it into your heart. Get it into you because sooner or later, somewhere down the road, you're going to need it no matter what you're going through at the moment, and maybe you're going through nothing. Praise God, you can rejoice. But you will go through something, and somewhere along the way, you're going to need what the Word of God is teaching you. You might be inexperienced. The simple indicates an inexperience. But the Word brings wisdom to you. You've got to get it into you. Without the Word, you cannot gain that wisdom that you need to face life's experiences. Not only that, the simple can indicate humble as well. This is the person that God can teach. The Word of God will instruct us faithfully, but we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to learn? Now, I recognize I've got the microphone today, and you're sitting down, hopefully listening. But there could be a part of you that says, who's this guy to tell me anything? You know, he's reading from this book. You know, yeah, it's got some good things in it, but you know what? Nobody's going to tell me anything. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. How many of you like to be told what to do? (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) There's anybody in this room who likes to be told what to do, and those of you who endure it, those of you who endure being told what to do, it's because every couple of weeks you get a paycheck for it. You're told what to, yes, 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 boss, yes, supervisor, yes, manager, yes, that's fine, yes, I'll do that, yes. You're told what to do all the time, but you're getting a paycheck. Can I tell you, you may not be getting a paycheck, oh, but you're laying up treasures in heaven. You're laying up treasures in heaven. You see, God is able to speak to and he's able to invest something into and put the word of God into the humble. The humble are those who are willing to listen. The humble are those who are willing to hear what God has to say. What did Jesus say to the seven churches over and over again? He who has an ear, let him hear. That's not just talking about, wow, pastor's really loud right now, sound system, you know, it's kind of too loud, how can I not hear him? I'm not talking about the volume level. I'm talking about what is being said. Get it into your spirit. When you go to the Word of God, be humble as you read the Word of God, as you find out what the book has to say, listen to what the Word has to say, and say, Lord, I'm going to apply that to my life. And brothers and sisters, you will gain so much more when you approach the Word of God in humility and you come to it and say, Lord, what do you have to say to me today? So oftentimes we read the Word of God and we say, no, that ain't me. That's not me. That's not me. And all the while, what God really wants us to do and wants us to to allow our hearts to, to, to open up to is just to be taught by Him. Just to be taught by the Word of God. The humble brothers and sisters are those that God can really put something into. And the Word of God will bring about a great benefit to your life if you're willing to listen. And can I get another amen? The simple in verse 7 can also indicate immature. Immature. Now the immature, that, that's a little harder to swallow. Because you know most of us that are here, we're a little older. The littlest ones are downstairs. Even the kids who have reached you know, about the age where they have to remain here today, they're getting a little bit of a sense of, I'm a little more mature than my little brother or my little sister. And they begin to act a little bit differently in their maturity. But when it comes to our Christianity, the one thing that we have to remember is when we've come to Christ and we gave our hearts to Christ, we were, as it were, newborn babies. We were infants. That's why Jesus uses the term born again or born of the Spirit. No, you physically look the same. You, you know, you're an adult, you're grown up, you're whatever. But in the end, when it comes to Christianity, when you give your heart to Christ, you are a new baby in Christ. I realize that's hard for us grown-ups to really get a hold of. It's hard for us to handle, but the, the sooner we get a hold of that, the more we will recognize that there are sometimes things of immaturity that God wants to take care of in our lives, and the way that He does it is through the Word of God if we are acting in a manner that is immature and does not fly with what the Christian life is like and what the Bible describes it should be, then what we need to do is come to the Word of God and say, now, Lord, teach me how to grow. Teach me to grow and grow in your word and grow in the grace and in the knowledge. Look, so over and over again, Paul wrote about growing. He wrote about building. Let each one be careful how he builds. The idea is you don't stay the same. You grow up. You must grow. And brothers and sisters, if in the body of Christ we're not growing, then we have to take a good long look at why. And before you begin to point your finger at somebody else and say, you know, the church doesn't have enough programs for this person and that person in this category and that category, take a look around and ask yourself, am I in the position to be able to, to volunteer and say, I'm willing to teach. I'm willing to be a part. I'm willing. to. Oh, no, not me. No, no, that's not me. Then stop blaming other people. Don't blame other people. Take a good long look within yourself and say, maybe I need to do a little growing so I can be part of the solution so I can be part of the answer, so I can help and I can be alongside some ministry or maybe even begin a ministry that will, that will affect the kingdom of God, that will, that will be a, a great help to this body of believers and be a help to this church to grow. Brothers and sisters, in the end, we have got to have the Word of God in our lives to bring us to a place of maturity in Him. And the more we point our fingers at other people is usually an indication that we're still immature. When we begin to look within, it indicates that the Word of God is getting through. It indicates that somehow the Word of the Lord is making, taking up its place in your heart. The Word brings revival. The Word brings wisdom. And the Word also brings joy. Another great benefit of the Word of God that we see in this passage. The Word of God brings joy. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. And I'd like you to turn over, if you would, to First Peter 1 and verse 8. And I want you to see what kind of joy comes to the heart from the Word. Listen, if we will get the Word into us, some of these benefits will begin to to really get into our lives. We'll begin to understand a little bit better and a little bit more. And those things will get on the inside of us. So often we say, well, I don't understand the Word of God, so we ignore it. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Keep reading the Word of God because one of the great things that I learned many, many years ago Taught this a couple of years ago on a Tuesday night when we were talking about how to study the Bible. But one thing that you must remember and is so vitally important is Scripture interprets Scripture. Say it with me. Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. You don't understand something in one passage, but all of a sudden you begin to read in another place in the Bible, and all of a sudden it begins to shed light on the thing that you did not understand, and it grows in your heart and helps you to understand it. But there is a great joy that comes from the Word of God. The Bible says this, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The word of God brings joy to the heart that can literally at times not be expressed. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. But the word of God is spoken to you. God has come to you. The word comes alive in your spirit. And in that moment, you begin to understand a little bit more of who he is and his great power. And the, Peter says, though you haven't seen him, you love him. Though you haven't seen him. You say, yes, Lord, I know that you're speaking to my heart through your word. And there is a joy that can come to your spirit. Brothers and sisters, we lack joy so often simply because we're not going to the word of God. We're not going to the word of God as we should. Not only that, the joy of the Lord gives strength. Listen to what the Bible says. You don't need to turn there. We're going to go to Romans 14 in just a moment. But listen to what the Bible says in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. He says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is no. They're not the joy of your job. That's not your strength. Not the joy of your family. That's not your strength. Not the joy of things that are going on in your life and all the things you have planned and you have hope for. That's not the joy that brings strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How in the world are we ever going to know it until we come to the Word of God and see what it says? Romans 14, turn there if you would, if you're not there already. Romans 14 and verse 17, the word of God brings joy to the heart and it is a joy that is peaceful. Listen to what it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter, verse 17, Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, something we did last week. We had a good fellowship, lots of good food. But that's not the kingdom of God. But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the Word of God comes to our lives and we begin to experience the power of the Spirit like never before. There is a joy that comes and is also associated with peace and righteousness. Now, something else that we want to, I want you to see, joy... From the word of God brings comfort. Listen to what the Bible says. You don't need to turn there, but Jeremiah 31 and verse 13 says, Then the maidens will dance and be glad, the young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. How could we ever possibly know that there is that kind of joy available unless we go to the Word of God and tap into it? Go to the Word of God and begin to get it into our spirits and say, Yes, Lord, I agree with you. There is a joy that comes to the heart. There is a joy that will always come to your, to the heart because of the Word of God. Let me read that again in verse nine, Psalm 19 and verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. It is. The specific instructions of the Word of God will bring joy to your heart. We just talked about some of them and how we see joy all through the Bible. But the last thing that I want you to notice, the last great benefit of the Word of God is the Word brings light. Verse 8 says this, the latter part of verse 8, the commands of the Lord are... Radiant, giving light to the eyes. Why to the eyes? Why does the Word of God give light? Here's why. Because we live in a darkened world. We live in a world that is full of darkness. Listen to what Jesus said. In fact, if you would, just turn over there, just a couple of more scriptures that I want you to see. Turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Verse 16, this was actually Matthew talking about the ministry that is taking place in that time. The Bible says this, the people, verse 16, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in the book of John. But then he turned to his disciples and he said to them in Matthew chapter 5, verse I believe it is 16, he says, You are the light of the world. In other words, When we get Him into us, we get the Word of God into us, then we are to be a light to a darkened world. Brothers and sisters, this world is full of sin, and as such, it lives in darkness. Jesus told Nicodemus one of the reasons why men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, the most horrendous crimes generally don't happen in the broad daylight anymore. They never used to. I know there are some things that happen in broad daylight, but most of the stuff that happens, like my mother-in-law used to say, she's says, nothing, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night. You're out on the street, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night out on the street. For those parents who wonder about your children, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night. And those kids just daggers through me right now. My curfew's is 12 o'clock. Like I said, nothing good happens. You can thank my mother-in-law for that. Nothing. The world is full of darkness. Evil deeds are done mostly at night. Why? Because you can cover it up. You think you can anyway. But in the end, the world is living in darkness, but the Word of God, brothers and sisters, it brings light to the eyes. How are we going to make it through a world that is so sick, that is so full of sin, that is so full of darkness? How are you going to make it through a world like that? The Bible says, and I repeat this from earlier, David wrote these words in Psalm 119, that the Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's like when you're driving at night, you turn off the headlights, you're going to crash. You turn them on and you can see where you're supposed to go. And brothers and sisters, that's how it is with the word of God. When the word is in you, it's going to help you navigate some of the temptations and some of the things in life, the decisions that you have to make that are so life changing. <coughs> I'm here to let you know that the word of God will be a light to your eyes. <coughs> we live in a darkened world. We need the word of God now more than ever before. We need the Word of God to bring light because what Satan wants is to cloud our vision with the confusion of his lies. Satan's intention is to cloud the Word of God in your heart and your mind, is to bring confusion of what appears to be reality. The faith it takes to believe the promises of God becomes Satan's target. You know and you need to know you have a target on your back today. If you are professing to know Christ and you want to live for Jesus, I'm here to let you know today that there is a target on your back and the enemy wants to do one thing, bring confusion. He he can't kill you. He knows that. So he's going to try to bring confusion in your heart and mind. He is going to do His best to bring confusion in your life. And brothers and sisters, we need the Word of God now more than ever before because the Word always brings clarity. It always clears up the confusion that there is in life. And one of the reasons why we get so confused about what's happening in life is simply because we are not in the book. We need to get back to the Word of God otherwise we're going to fall prey to what it is that eve fell prey to all of a sudden the serpent appears the enemy comes and says did god really say that did god really all of a sudden begins to question what God has said, begins to question the Word of God. Listen, brothers and sisters, there are going to be people all around you who are going to question this book. They're going to question the Word of God. They're going to make fun of it. They're going to call it a pack of lies. They're going to call it mythology. They're going to call it just a bunch of good stories and parables, and they're going to call it all kinds of nonsense. But I call it the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And brothers and sisters, you and I need to get into this book because if you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. Satan wants you to be confused about it. God wants to clear it up. We're going to find out why in just a moment. But giving you a greater ability to see sin for what it really is, even when it's cloaked in beauty, that's what the Word of God does for you. It brings light so you can begin to see what sin really is, even though it's dressed up. Look, you can pour chocolate all over garbage if you want to. Put it on a plate and it's still going to have the stench of garbage. Go ahead, pour some chocolate. I love chocolate. Don't you? Shouldn't be talking about that, but you go ahead, pour it all over that three-day-old, half-eaten, moldy cheeseburger from McDonald's. And while the cheeseburger tasted good when it was hot, it ain't going to taste good even with chocolate all over it. Say cheeseburger, chocolate, I don't, I don't know. Go ahead. See those rotting strawberries in the garbage? Go ahead, dump a little chocolate in their head, serve it up. Woo, that's going to taste really, really good. You see, you can dress it up however you want, but you know what? In the end, it's still Garbage. You can put all kinds of beauty in. That's what the devil tries to do. Look, you're going to feel good. It's going to be great. It's gonna, you're going to have a great time. It's going to be fun. It's going to be all of this. And he dresses up all the junk, all the trash, all the garbage. in life. I'm trying to search for other words for trash and garbage. Pretty much all I can come up with. Basura. Basura. He you can you can just sorry for my Spanish friends here today, you can just dress it all up and it 's still garbage it 's still garbage you see the Word of God helps us to see through the facade to see through the falseness of what feels good tastes good on the surface, but when you get right down to it it 's it's trash, brothers and sisters. It's trash that will take you down. The Word of God helps you to see in a darkened world that even though sin is cloaked in beauty, it's still the horrendous junk of sin. Not only this, the Word brings light to your eyes to help give you a greater understanding of the Word of God. Turn over. I want you to see the Scripture. Turn to Luke 24 and verse 45. We're going to close in just a moment. Luke 24 and verse 45. The Word of God gives light to the eyes to help you have a greater understanding of the Word of God. Look, folks, God does not want to keep any of you in the dark about the Word of God. He doesn't want to keep you in the dark. Listen to what the Bible says that Jesus did for his disciples. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. That to me has brought so much encouragement over the years in my life. So much joy has come to my heart as a result of that one verse of scripture. Because it lets us know, lets me know, that the Word of God is not meant to be hidden and it's not meant to be clouded in mystery. The Word of God is something that God wants you to have full clarity in. He wants you to know the Word and He wants you to understand the Word of God. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. It wasn't just because they were the disciples and, and, you know, he knew that they were going to have to be teaching all of this and they're going to have to be under the inspiration of the Spirit. Uh, some of them, they would be sitting down and, and penning a gospel and writing a, an epistle and, and doing all of these things. So there's got to be clarity there. No, it's not because of that. It is he wanted them to live a life that is pleasing to him. Because without A witness to the Word of God, the Word of God is empty. You see, the world wants to see, brothers and sisters, are we lining up with the book that we declare we believe in? Or are we just, you know, something in name only? You know, slap the label Christian on me and that's what I am. Be careful about labels. Labels have gotten Christianity into trouble through centuries of time. Brothers and sisters, He wants you to understand it. And and if you don't understand it, like I said, Scripture interprets Scripture. Keep reading. And then in the end, if you still don't understand it, you go to Him in prayer and say, Lord, open up my understanding. Help me to understand the Word of God. Lord, I'm depending on you to do that. And I want you to know that He will help you to do that. The power of the Word is seen in these four benefits for us. The Word brings revival. The Word brings wisdom, the Word brings joy, and the Word brings light. So what are we to do with the Word of God? Well, exactly what the Bible tells us. There are too many scriptures to go to to talk about this one last thing, and it is this, to read it. How else are you going to get it into you if you don't read it? Well, it looks good on my shelf. People think I'm a Christian, It's not the the think that we care about. It's the living. That's the most important thing. So you've got to read it. You've got to take it off the shelf, blow the dust off, open it up, and begin to read it. You've got to study it. The King James Version puts 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 this way. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study it. Don't just read it. Study it. Obey it. I don't have time to go to all these scriptures, but obey it. John 14 and verse 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So it's not just reading it, studying it, gotta obey it. And the last thing is declare it. First, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2 says, Preach the word. Saying just for preachers, folks. Preach the word. The word preach literally means to persuade. It doesn't, you know, there are different styles of preaching. I have my own style. My two brothers have their style when they're preaching. There are many other pastors who have their own style. Not about style, folks. Not about how it's delivered. And it's not about how it's declared. So long as it's declared rightly dividing the word of truth. But in the end, brothers and sisters, you live a life where you can preach the word. No, you don't grab a microphone and start shouting. That's not, that's not how it's done, but you, you persuade, the Bible lets us know, preaching is to persuade. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, because you never know. Correct, ouch, rebuke, ouch, encourage, yeah, I like that one. Encourage me, pastor, don't correct me, don't rebuke me. With great patience, the Bible says in careful instruction. That's how it ought to be done. It has to be with great patience and careful instruction. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know the Word of God is so, so desperately in our lives what we need in this day and age. Now more than ever before, the Word of God. You say, well, you know, we have an election coming up on Tuesday, which I encourage all of you to get out and vote. Those who are able to get out and vote, go vote vote for our elected officials, and then after you vote and after the election is done and, and you, you know, whether you have a, a party that you're happy about who got elected and, and those who just sit and sulk about who didn't get elected and all of that's passed, then we have to do the Christian thing and we have to pray for those who are in the positions of being elected officials. Because in the end, we're not, we're not going to be partisan in this church. But we need to get out and exercise our right to do that and our opportunity to do that. But in the end, brothers and sisters, we have a higher king, a higher calling. And we have to live according to the word of the Lord in your life, brothers and sisters. That is what this nation needs. It doesn't need another, another president or another this or another, you know, you know different houses and, and the Senate. All of those things, all those seats that everybody's worried about and concerned about who's going to be the next mayor of Chicago because Daley doesn't want to run anymore. He could have ran till he died and could have been elected, but he chose not to. Who's going to be the next mayor? Who cares, brothers and sisters? In the end, he is the king of kings, and when we get into this book, we will begin to see that we serve somebody who is greater than any elected official, and we are going to call upon him. I want you to stand to your feet right now, and I want you to give God praise right now. I want you to just reach up to heaven and say, Lord, I want the Word of God in me. I want the Word in me, Lord, in the name of Jesus.